Tim Burton does none of the group project and still gets an A. This is Spooky Spoilers. That's our job. But we're not mean in our town of Halloween. Hey everybody, this is your host Stevie, and tonight we are doing the... Pap, is this even a cult classic or is this a classic? Hot Topic Classic. Yeah, Henry Selleck's Hot Topic Classic, The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, we are going to go around, uh, we're going to go from east to east, introduce yourself, and tell me what's um, what's a spontaneous obsession that you had that's like what Jack had to Christmas. In this town we call home, everyone hail to the pumpkin song. Where you get like really into something? Yeah, like really into something for a short period of time, but really, really into it. What's the direction? Eastus to Westus. That's you. I'm the host, Josh. I don't count. I think it's Dave. Oh! I'm like God. I'm in Virginia. (laughs) That's definitely Yeah, that's definitely Dave. All right. Um, I'm Dave. Um, I have spoken about Taylor Swift and Lovecraft Country and Mulan. And now I'm talking about Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's great. It's a great time to be alive. And back on spoilers, thank you for having me. I think a spontaneous obsession that really came and went very quickly in my life was um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, I think it was around third grade that my uh, the movie, the remake with Johnny Depp came out. And so I got really into that and the book and the Great Glass Elevator and Gene Wilder. And there was even a video game that I rented from Blockbuster. But I, I the, it, we had to return it within a week. And I could only I only got to the part where he gets the golden ticket. Like the whole game that I was able to play, I was just like racing around like impoverished like London slums. <laughs> and um, and then I had to return it. I never got to go to the factory. But that was a big deal for like a month. And then I promptly never cared about it again <laughs> everyone should check out dave's podcast by the way goodbye mel brick road where we recently did a disney draft yeah and i drafted this movie and you said it ruined my draft with that pick <laughs> <laughs> uh but i'm next most eastus this is pappy recording from kalamazoo michigan like the primus song um kind of a similar one uh it's a video game uh, uh one summer i got really into this video game called planet zoo where you would like adopt a bunch of animals and like make your zoo or whatever and i got pretty good at it and i built up this giant zoo and then like i don't know the equivalent of like animal dysentery rolled in and like all of my animals died and it was just stressing <laughs> me out <laughs> i realized i wasted so much time and then i uninstalled it never played it again did matt damon make that uh, game we bought a zoo no oh i feel like there's a lot of video games that I kind of flame out with fortnite a little bit uh the long family was like Fortnite temptresses they try to get you to play all the time so that was a thing for a little bit (laughs) gross have you guys ever done we bought a zoo the movie or the meme the movie like have you covered it Mm -mm. no god no lord no if you if if you ever have to scrape the bottom of the barrel i'm down for that one (laughs) We're talking big, dumb movie stuff here. But yeah, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> I think they're making a sequel. We bought a zoo 
two. We bought another zoo. <laughs> we bought zoo two. We bought a two. Oh, I like that. That's really good. Uh, is it me? I think it's Josh. Yeah, this is Josh from Goshen. I've got to be way easter than Chicago here in Indiana. Um, I really wanted the spoiler at the top to be, this is spoilerween. And then like we'd all say it in like unison and maybe get some <laughs> harmonies or something. I don't know. You're asking for a lot there, Josh. Yeah, no possible chance for a Skype lag. <laughs> <laughs> the Skype lag really would hurt that. But a brief obsession in my life, I guess like... When I was like 25 or 26, there was like two or three months where I just like, I kind of wanted to look into someone's eyes as they died. But anyway, Josh from Goshen. Not a serial killer at all. Josh from Goshen. (laughs) Oh my God. It's spooky spoilers, man. Trying to freak people out. What satisfied that (laughs) bloodlust? Yeah. What ended that? Holy shit. No, I'm joking. It's probably pogs. (laughs) (laughs) That or pogs. Pogs. Yeah, it's pogs. Definitely pogs. Uh, This is Mikey from Chicago. Uh, Games are, yeah, probably the easiest one to come up with. And for a while, I was really obsessed with uh, being really good at solitaire on just like Microsoft computers. It's so like, I didn't have what like a bunch of computer <laughs> games. Uh, and this was like during a time when my Xbox 360 was broken. So I was just like playing like pinball and solitaire and stuff. And I got really good at solitaire. And I was like, I think the best game I ever had was like beating it in like 20 seconds. And I was just like <laughs> in the zone. <laughs> I was wondering how you could be good at solitaire, well, but it's I was the just, speed. I was only playing to like do the thing where you cover up the whole screen with the cards after winning. And so yeah. I had done that. And then I was just going for mastery at that point. I was just like in the zone flying through all of these solitaire games. So I got really good at solitaire at one point. Wow. But it's those days are long gone. I don't even know how to play solitaire anymore. How is your space pinball game, though? I've always been bad at that game. Uh, could you guys? <laughs> could you guys imagine Mikey being like Uncle Rico, but it's for like solitaire, <laughs> high school football? <laughs> hey, broken Xbox 360, you get desperate. Times are tough. Hello, this is Corey, also known as Kylo Ren memes. I'm recording out of Simi Valley in California, and. It's funny you talk about Solitaire, Mikey. I've always hated that game, always. But I got really good at Minesweeper when I was in high school. And I worked a receptionist job after school, and I would just kind of play Minesweeper a lot. So I'm one of the few people that knows how to play that well. Uh, but in terms of like these, these kind of like fandoms that you get into, especially when you're young, I seem to like stay into a lot of this shit. So... I have like this weird thing where I don't really grow out of it. Like I'm still really into like Pokemon and stuff that I liked when I was a little kid. Still a big fan. Um, I guess kind of on this topic somewhat is trading cards. Hmm. When I was really young, I got into uh, baseball and football trading cards in second grade because our teacher would kind of give them out as prizes. If you like earned enough like it was called super bucks so like if you do something good you get some super bucks and then you get to like exchange them at the end of the week and i would get baseball and football cards i started a massive collection from that though every time i would go to the comic shop i would buy cards that's awesome now i also got 
Nightmare on Elm Street trading cards. I got oh, super into that nice. as well. <laughs> and they were like my prized possession was my Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> trading cards. Freddy had 45 home runs this season. <laughs> Holy shit. Corey, what was the Star Wars trading card you had like 150 copies of? Lock Dirt. <laughs> Lock Dirt. Is that a name? It's L-O-K, Lock Dirt is D-U-R-D. <laughs> and how many copies did you have? Just retell the story briefly. It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's like digital trading cards on the Star Wars card trader app. I had like... Uh, Jesus. I don't know. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> I had so like a no thousand. <laughs> or like, actually it might have been like 5,000 or something. I don't know. I traded them all for a gold version of the card, um, which is like super rare in the game. Doesn't matter, Josh. No one's here for that. When I was a little kid... <laughs> Had all these trading cards, massive collection of everything you could think of. Simpsons, sports, movies, Street Fighter the movie, Mortal Kombat. Ooh. Massive collection of trading cards. And I used to bring them with me wherever I went. This isn't going to end well. <laughs> when I was a little kid, I left them at a Denny's that my dad took me to. And he, I remember he wouldn't go back so that we could retrieve them. I, I was like, oh, my cards. I don't have my cards. And he was like, uh, it's too late now or something like that. <laughs> oh. That's the way I remember it. It's very possible I'm misremembering. But in my head, my dad really, <laughs> he owes me for that one still. Sorry, man. Devastating. Yeah. I just picture Corey's dad like getting Corey to bed that night and then going out looking all throughout the night all over the town for those cards. No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> Move on with your life, son. You're almost 10 years old. It's time to be a man. It's time to get a job. You're not a fucking dinosaur. Start digging holes. What you should be doing is more Scientology. <laughs> Corey's turn might be over. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, and someone's knocking on my door. I said the Scientology word. <laughs> Let's see. This is Stevie recording from Elkhart, Indiana. One, okay, so this is like at a weird time in my life, but this isn't like very long ago at all, but around the time that the company I worked for was about to be bought and I didn't know if I was like still going to have a job or not, what my future was going to be like, instead of like doing the responsible thing and you know, kind of looking out in the jobs market and trying to zero in on things. Um, I decided to get really into like how miniatures on films were made. I remember mm. that. Yeah. Like I became obsessed with those things. Still like kind of still am to the point where like once my life becomes settled or I have time to actually do things, I really want to make a miniature of either Rivendell or um, Ministereth in the worst way and just Maybe destroy it afterwards or keep my basement. I don't know, but yeah, miniatures. And it's kind of funny, like we're doing this movie, but I was like really, really into miniatures for like two months. Stevie, there's a guy locally who does miniatures, and his name's like Joe Bach, Joe, Joe Bachman or something. And he's done like stop motion videos for Wilco. He's got this set up in his garage. He lives in Mishawaka, I think. What? He's got That's like a band. Cool. Yeah, maybe uh, we could go out to his place sometime, check out his setup. Yeah. I know someone who knows him, you know what I mean? I don't know yeah. if this is for the pod. Maybe we edit this right no, out. No, because like, in my brain... <laughs> Joe Bauman. Tag him. Because like, the company ended up getting bought. In my, in my brain, I was like, 
either I'm gonna go work for this new company, and if they decide they don't need me, I'm gonna go apply for Weta workshops and see if I can get an apprenticeship, like like a responsible person would do. So yeah, that's where I was at. The sights, the sounds, they're everywhere and all around. I've never felt so good before. This empty place inside of me is filling up. I simply cannot get enough. I want it, oh, I want it, oh, I want it for my own. I've got to know, I've got to know it is this place that I have found. What is this? I want to start this podcast because um, I think we have a lot of good things to say about this movie. I kind of want to start on the bad of it. Dave, why do you hate this movie? <laughs> yeah. well, Stevie, you used to hate this movie for years. And for I matured. <laughs> I've grown, Pap. I'm a different man now. Yeah, I just, I remember, I think it was like my sister and then like some friends of my brother growing up were like really into this movie. And so I saw it as a child and just, just hated it. And I was like, I, this is just like disturbing. I hate the way they move. I don't like his eyes, um, Jack's eyes. And then I was like, after. Jack doesn't have eyes. The, the lack of eyes, if you will. The Jack famously lack. doesn't have eyes. Over the years, like it's, it's huge at the Disney parks, this thing. And, um, I know that's about to be like, I know Henry Selleck has another movie coming out. And so with all this coming on, I was like, maybe I need to give it another chance. So I, it was a perfect opportunity um, when you guys reached out and I watched it again. And I, I still, I, I, I don't, I don't like it um, still, but I don't <laughs> hate it. Um, the real thing that really gets me is I do hate, still hate Oogie Boogie. I think it's one of the worst movie characters ever. I just hate it so much. I hate everything about it. Um, and what he is and how he's made of bugs. I just, I can't, it's the, it's just awful. I just, uh, there's good, there are good, there's some good stuff in this, but he just really just derails it for me. And I, I can't, I hate Oogie Boogie with my life. I wish he was dead. Well, that happens. You get your wish. He does die. But now he's back in the parks. He like does a live show on, in the Halloween parties <laughs> and it's like, he just won't go away. Yeah, but that's an epic show. It's uh, I just I don't like how he's made of bugs. I don't like how bugs fall out of him into Santa's beard. I just I can't. Let me ask you something, Dave. Sure. Are you a man that is afraid of insects? I uh, very much so. Yes. Um. Whenever there's one in my classroom, I have to have the students get it for me. Okay. <laughs> I am as well. So I, I kind of understand where you're coming from. Uh, bugs really fucking gross me out. I, I hate having to touch them. Or when one is on me, you'll see me like leap 15 feet in the air like a fucking cat. <laughs> but that being said, I, I mean, I don't quite hate Oogie Boogie that way. I hate bugs. And I guess he's made of bugs, but he's also like not real. <laughs> is that is that it? Or do, is it like his actions as well? I mean... I guess you could say, like, trying to murder Santa Claus would be a reason not to like somebody. But, like, stuff like that. I <laughs> don't like his politics. It's Tim Allen, bro. He, he doesn't like villains. He's got to go. I don't like his platform or his policies. Um, is it because he's from New Orleans? Is that why you don't like him? Because <laughs> he's from the he's South? From New Orleans. Is that why? <laughs> well, I love the whoever Keith David's character is in Princess and the Frog. But at least he's not made of insects the whole time. Dr. Facilier? Yeah, there you go. That guy, he's pretty cool. Insects-wise, what really freaks me out are those like macro, hyper, close-up shots of their faces that you'll see. Sometimes they pop up on Reddit. You guys know what I'm talking about? I saw one of the close-up of an ant's face, 
it looks it's like an horrifying. Orc. It's so crazy and scary. It's ugh. It haunts my dreams. God, let's never spooky. Yeah, that's that's the real fear for the season. Let's never what, Dave? I was just I'm never gonna Google that. Like just like the Paul George leg injury, it will never be in my search. <laughs> Can history. someone send it to the group yeah, chat? Yeah, I have it saved on my phone. <laughs> it freaked me out when I saw it. Wait, you saw the same ant? Dude, it scared the living shit out of me. Did someone send a picture it's of it? It's fucked up. Yeah, I'm looking at my phone right now. It's going on Instagram for all the listeners. Let's put some spiders oh in the chat, too. Brett's not here. So let's There's a lot more going. like this, too, Spiders man. in the chat for Brett. <laughs> oh, <laughs> spiders no. in the chat. I was thinking, like, when Jack Skellington moves like a spider. I'm like, that's going to scare Brett. Just the way when he gets I down. I mean, this thing looks like it's about to charge Helm's Deep. It's, it's terrifying. It's unbelievable. Yeah, let me see it. Please put it on the group chat. All right, but while I'm doing that, Corey, <laughs> oh, I know. Like, ah. I think I think you ha- I think you had pause when I uh, picked this movie. You thought I was going to trash it. Um, why do you love this movie? There's a lot of reasons to like this movie, Stevie. Uh, I'll say this: I loved this movie ever since the first time I saw it, and I watched the shit out of this VHS when I was a kid. <laughs> And this was kind of like the outcast kid Disney movie in the 90s. 100%. Not everyone, not all of my peers appreciated this movie. A lot of the girls especially thought it was like weird. <laughs> you know, like kind of like Dave said, like there's like a, a creepy vibe to this. Of course, it's intentional because it's a lot of like Tim Burton's designs and some of his story. But this movie drew me in because it was slightly odd, right? It wasn't too much for a kid. It wasn't. I don't think too scary or anything, but it was just right on that line. It was like weird and I liked weird shit, especially back then with like the kind of like gross out Ren and Stimpy Beavis and Butthead type of uh, media that you got a lot of in the 90s. This was a little bit more on the spooky side and I liked Tim Burton movies a lot. I liked the music. That was one of the first things that really drew me in. To this day, I absolutely love the songs, maybe all but one, and the score. The score in this is really underrated. If you just have it playing, it's a fucking vibe. Just like this movie. <laughs> this movie is a fucking vibe. Music is great, yeah. Which song don't you like? Which song would I say is my least favorite, Pap? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, what was the one song? Is it all but one? I think after Sally's song, there's not much great songs in the movie. And there's only like a partial song at the very end. Yeah, And then there's the song about Jack's, I don't know what it's called, but it's where he is regretting his actions as the new Sandy Claus. You don't like that one? No, I think that's the weakest of them. Oh, no, no, no. Poor Jack. Yeah. Do you guys like the what is that? Where he's like looking around at the Christmas for first time. It's pretty good. What's this? What is that? Is that what you called the song? I don't know this movie that well. God damn it, Josh. What is this? <laughs> what is it actually called there, Stevie? It's just called What's This? Okay. It was the My bad. It was the first sequence uh, created for the film. That's a good song. It's kind of a jam. Yeah, the um, animators and director were kind of scared that if they did Halloween Town first, that Disney would cut their funding. <laughs> Probably true. Smartly, they sequenced out um, the... Uh, What's this sequence like in its entirety and show it to Disney execs and they got them an extra six million for their budget. Yeah, that's that that sounds about right. But that's one thing about making a movie too, is like it's not all about the artistry, it's about like knowing how to work the system. 
What's this? What's this? There's cover everywhere. What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. How I possibly got daffy? What is this? What's this? Stevie, I wanted to ask you something. Oh, go ahead, please. So, I mean, you were talking about Tim Burton at the beginning mm-hmm. with your opener, right? Yep. What is, what's the deal with that? This is Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, is it not? I think a lawsuit would have been filed if it wasn't called Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, he was an animator for Disney. He was an in-betweener. Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron. Fox and the Hound in-betweener, yep. And um, He worked on Fox and the Hound? That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I think he did a lot of... Um, uh, That's why it's so sad. A lot of Copper and... Um, I want to say Vixie. I think he did a, a lot of Vixie in betweens too. But his animated, like he was kind of like a part of the in betweener team, and his animation style did not really flow at Disney at all. Because after in between years, you're kind of supposed to start like pitching stuff and creating really great things, and his drawings were not that. And um, he pitched Nightmare Before Christmas pretty much in poem form with a few drawings of Jack to Disney about what it could be. And Disney at that point was just said, get the fuck out. And um, Tim didn't last at Disney, but I think they legally owned Jack Skellington in the poem and everything. They owned his work, yeah. I think that's the way it works when you're a Disney animator. Yeah. You make something there, and they own it. Yeah. It's like working at Marvel. Exactly. They owned it, and so after he became a huge success, you know, with Beetlejuice and Batman... They kind of went back to the well and said, what do you want to do? And he said, well, let's do Night Before Christmas. And this was the exact same time that uh, he was going to do um, Batman. Was it Batman Returns? Yeah. And he just had no time to do it. So he chose one of his best friends to direct it instead. <laughs> and I, I think, I mean, I think Tim, as far as being on set, and not just like taking phone calls and stuff and improving things here and there, but just being on set. I think he was maybe on set for a grand total of five days. I heard it was like eight. Eight days, man. Was it eight days? Oh, okay. But I mean, like the process is pretty grueling, right? Like it takes him like, what was it, like a week to do one minute of film? Yeah. He doesn't really need to be there all that much, to be fair. No, but I mean, that's like also like, <sighs> think of it this way. If they screw up a shot, doing stop motion animation like this, they have to redo the entire scene because it doesn't make sense. And just redoing a frame, you're redoing a lot. So, I mean, that that's a ton of work. But, Pap, how does this movie start out? So this movie starts out with Jack Skellington, the Pumpkin King, himself at the height of his powers. It's a Halloween <laughs> day. Uh... He's killing it, and I, I don't. I like that about Jack Skellington a lot. Uh, that he's a very confident and cool character. You know what I mean? Like he's not like starting at the bottom and working his way up. He's kind of at the top, and then he's got to figure out like where he wants to go from here. How charming is it that all the townspeople like look up to him and love him? That's one of my favorite parts of the movie. I think even the mayor. Who do you think is Jack's biggest fan? The women folk. 
the creature from the Black Lagoon. Ooh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she tells him, you make wounds ooze and flesh crawl. As her way of, like, coming on to him. Ooh, Jack, you made wounds ooze and flesh crawl. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's the highest of praises, though. It kind of is in Halloween Town, because everything's weird and uh, gross over there. That's, like, that's the way they operate. He's also awesome looking. Like, because, like, Jack Skellington, he's not, like, a real human skeleton proportional-wise, right? Like, he's super... Like, he's like Kevin Durant, almost. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, super lengthy. Like <laughs> oh, I would fight Jack Skellington <laughs> in the streets. Go for the knees. It's on yeah. site. <laughs> I would judo throw Jack Skellington so hard. I get a little bit of a vibe of, like, an Adam Sandler movie where, like, he's, like, a man of the people, and he's really charming, and he charms you, and he charms them, and it's just like a really warm feeling when they all like each other. The Mr. Deeds of Halloween Town? Basically, like, yeah. Longfellow Jack. <laughs> the thing is, he's is he more powerful than the mayor? Yes! I think he is, but it's kind of confusing. What's the power structure there? Jack is king. His name is literally the Pumpkin King. <laughs> it's a constitutional monarchy, but the mayor's just the figurehead. Yeah. So when I was a kid, I was like, okay, so Jack's in charge of the pumpkins, but this is the mayor. He's in charge <laughs> of the whole you town. You were fucking dumb, bro. <laughs> no, we have to break down this society. This society revolves around Halloween. 365. And this guy it does what? He's just like the guy that rings in the Halloween day, the Halloween night. Or what, does he have powers of some sort? Like a parade, right? Like it's just one parade they do. <laughs> one song. <laughs> He's just a parade. He's Carson Bailey on New Year's Eve. That's all he is, really. <laughs> He's just a ringleader? Well, like... What is he, Stevie? So, here's the way I look at it. The mayor doesn't shit unless Jack Skellington says so. <laughs> so, I think he's just there to do like Jack's bidding like in his daily work. Like, make sure this gets done. Set up a committee of a committee to make sure this gets done. Yeah. And I mean, they're all like creepy, spooky characters. And of course, one of them is just a politician. Yeah. Right. So like there's like Satan, <laughs> the Grim Reaper, a guy with an axe in his head, a politician, you know, like they just they're just completing the list. <laughs> the politician is two-faced, though. So Jack is like organized crime. Um, in a sense, What's the economy yeah. based on Halloween the economy is based on scares. Or what are, we, what are we talking about here? Blood? What's their currency? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bugs? Crypto. <laughs> it's like crypt, you know? I would say the currency is tender lumplings. What is that? <laughs> this is where the movie does fall apart a little bit. What's that? What are all these like little worlds? No, that's awesome. You can get to them by like little tree doors, but how did the economics work in these little insular... Christmas town, Fourth of July town, Thanksgiving town. Like, what's happening? What are the <laughs> rules with any fairy tale, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, well, yeah, Josh, break down the rules for us. What's behind the turkey door? <laughs> How much beer is in St. Patrick's Land? Let's figure that out. How are they getting enough wheat to last the winter? You know what I mean? Like, simple questions. <laughs> simple questions. They're already dead. They don't. They don't die again. They're like immortal beings, right? Christmas Town, they're alive, living in eternal winter. Hmm. But it seems like a warm winter, though. It's not like a harsh winter. It's not like they're in the gray. Yeah, 
you know. Is it a fishing town? Like, uh, whatever, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's a port town, Josh. All right? <laughs> it's a port town. But, Mikey, after our big parade and kind of Jack's big finale, what's wrong with Jack? He's getting bored with Halloween, I would say. He's just, uh, every year, I mean... They basically celebrate Halloween, spooky stuff all year round, but like they go all out for Halloween, and of course he's in charge of that because he's God in this town or something. And then he's just like bored with Halloween, so uh, he just wants to find something more. I think he's looking for more of a loving connection type of uh, holiday to uh, kind of associate himself with, so he goes just wandering out in the woods by himself. This dude has played Freebird. Too many times. <laughs> Dave, I know you're no like huge fan of this movie, but do you at least love Jack's song about how unhappy he is, like where he is in his life? Oh, there's an empty place in my bones that calls out for something unknown. The fame and praise come here after does nothing for these empty tears. Yeah, I think I think all the music is pretty great. Like that was another part of the reason why I was like excited to revisit it was because I do actually like really fondly enjoy a lot of these songs and so I got I have no problems with that and Danny Elfman's score and all that. That's it's great seeing Jack. It's basically like an I want song for him. And that's cool. Like he can just be right up there with Little Mermaid and stuff um, on his little Lion King looking hill kind of production design stuff. And I don't know. I, I, I enjoy the musical numbers a lot. It's just it kind of breaks down for me when they're not happening. I feel like my eyes glaze over like a stupid little child. <laughs> they do happen a lot, though. And they really carry the story in a lot of cases, right? One of the things I like about this movie is like how quiet it is in terms of dialogue, not score, obviously, but in terms of dialogue in between songs, right? Like, yeah, it goes from Jack's laments at the graveyard to like him walking and he has like just some a couple lines with his dog. And then he's singing the song about the next big event that happens in the story of him in Christmas Town. Uh, there's a lot of little stuff like that, especially when he's like studying to try to determine like what the best way to explain his inner joy as it pertains to Christmas Town is. It's just a lot of uh, a lot of like contemplation followed by like a reveal in a song. There's like no wasted space. Like he's just at one second he's on that really cool hill, then he's walking, then he's in like the forest with the trees with the different doors. Like he doesn't fuck around with like him getting there. He's like, oh. I'm just here now. I like how you put it to me earlier, Pap, when you said that Jack doesn't have to like level up at any point in the movie. Because, I mean, we're it's kind of the brilliance of that song. We're walking in on a guy who's, you know, on top of the world, and then he's singing a song about literally, even though he's on top of the world and he has all these great feats, he literally hates his life. And I think it's such a great transition from that into Christmas Town. Stevie, you've always hated this movie as long as I've known you. So this is a great turn. You've also always hated Danny Elfman. Do you like his singing voice? Love it. It's pretty cool he sings. I mean, he I mean, he got fired from the from doing the dialogue, but I like kind of just like the chaotic ranges that Jack carries in the movie. 
And I don't think that's possible without Danny Elfman. And just, I think that's what's so unique about these songs is there's really not a whole lot of rhyme and rhythm to them consistently throughout like one entire song. It just kind of goes all over the place. And I really enjoy that. Oh, so he was only singing. He wasn't doing the voice. No, he was supposed to do the voice and Henry Selleck fired him. Being weird? No, um, it was kind of weird. Henry Selleck said that he was kind of a wooden voice actor. So they went and got Humperdinck from Princess Bride because it matched Danny Elfman's singing voice. Lots of false credit uh, applied to different men in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Tim Burton, Danny Elfman. Who else? Who else didn't do much work on this movie and got a lot of credit? The writer. Yeah, that's right. The original writer took all of the money up front and put it up his nose and he was never seen again. (laughs) What? (laughs) How much did he write? Like actually that was used. Um, so little that Danny Elfman's girlfriend pretty much wrote the entire thing. Is that guy dead? Like what happened? Like how would, how could he just disappear? He did die like a few years after this movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, had a problem with the, uh, the white powder for a minute. And, um, (sighs) Corey, do you remember how quickly, um, I think your name was Caroline Thompson or Caroline Thomas, one of the two. Remember how quickly she wrote this? No. I know that she was pretty much like the the primary writer, but I don't know the turnaround. Yeah, because I know they were like literally about to start like shooting and they still didn't have a script. They were just kind of building sets. They did what's this before they had the script. Like they didn't have a story at that point. Yeah, they did what's this. and (laughs) Damn, that really is like fucking insane because like, like Stevie said, this stop animation stuff takes so fucking long. It's like you want to have that shit planned out weeks in advance just to yeah. make sure you're on schedule. There's something kind of cool, though, about artists like having some level of freedom, you know, in creating something like this, especially something that's so expressive like this. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of like artistic value in this movie that goes without saying. But I, I would imagine that because they had a little bit more free reign and weren't so confined to a script and that they were actually just waiting on one to come in, that they they had a lot of room to use their imaginations and make something cool, you know? Makes me think of like the original Star Wars, right? Uh, a good collaborative effort of artists. Mm-hmm. I mean, Danny Elfman's doing a lot of storytelling in the songs themselves. Like they're, they're like efficient within the movie, right? You know what I mean? Like it, it, up front, who Jack is, what does he want? Second song, third song, like this is Christmas Town. Like this is like going to be the the central conflict of the movie. It's all within like the first fifteen minutes. It's it fucking clips along. It's like proper musical fashion in that way. Mm-hmm. Is that a detriment to you guys at any part of the movie that like the first part of it is so tight and then it kind of meanders a little bit? Uh, for me, absolutely. Uh, I. I think the first 15 minutes I was, I, I was ready to be like, all right, I was just a little kid who was wrong about this. And then the rest of the movie, I was like, oh yeah, no, this is exactly what I remembered. Um, this is not working for me at all. Like, are you guys saying that because like the first 15 minutes is so dynamic, they're doing so much crazy stuff during that opening musical. And then like the next, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes is like just a lot of people walking or just kind of like walking around inside houses and stuff i just 
in my opinion, I, I think this movie's like really loaded in the front. Like, because I think, in my opinion, like the most iconic parts of this movie literally happen in the first, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. Like the parts that everyone remembers, the iconic parts are all in the front. This is spoiler ween. Yes. I mean, I think we're not giving it enough credit, really, because there's like, as soon as like Jack leaves uh, Christmas Town, there's like another town meeting song, which I love. And then we get some like good moments of like score and contemplation, like I mentioned earlier. And then we get another song, uh, Jack's Obsession. And then he decides what to do, and he's putting everyone together. And then we get another song, Kidnap the Santa Claus. I mean, I think it, the, the beats are only like a few minutes in between songs up yeah. to like Sally's song. The one subplot I don't really care for is Sally and like poisoning the grandpa from uh, Christmas Vacation. You know, <laughs> and I love Catherine O'Hara. Yeah, the really uh, yeah the um, blessing that's him the blessing the dad from uh the classic movie mouse hunt that's awesome mm-hmm. share it <laughs> yeah share it share it i that would be upset if i also didn't mention that he was uh in major pain he was the guy that ran the military academy i love major pain the green boy sir <laughs> i feel like she could have just like gotten away a little sooner like i don't really care about all that as much. There's not really a whole lot of payoff with that, is there? Like poisoning the mad scientist, that yeah. aspect of it? I like when she jumps out the window and then she just puts herself back together. Like, that's funny. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Sally is fucking iconic mm-hmm. at Disney parks. Like, Dave was talking about, like, the impact of oh, yeah. uh, Nightmare Before Christmas on Disney. And I guess Stevie mentioned its impact on, like, Hot Topic and stuff. I want to say that having like lived through this movie, like when it came out, being a fan of it then, it was a solid 10 years approximately before like this movie really got mainstream. Like I said, when I was a kid, my peers did not like this movie by and large. But by the time Hot Topic was like the cool place to like get merch from and to get clothes from, especially during like the pre-emo era of the early 2000s. This shit was on fire. <laughs> and like Sally has got to be like one of the most like popular like Disney character cosplays ever. On one hand, I like it because she really has her own arc completely independent of Jack Skellington or whatever. Because she's just doing her own thing. She's escaping from her master. She's trying to live her life. But on the other hand, the payoff kind of falls short because her and Jack have like no relationship that leads up to like the iconic shot at on the rock or like, I don't get their love or whatever or their friendship. Yeah. They hardly interact in the movie. Yeah. Which is cool. She just kind of fawns over. So it's like cool for her empowerment, but it's like lame with their relationship. I don't know. It's cause she knows he's a Halloween God. She wants to (laughs) ride those bones. I don't know. She obviously, Jack is obviously the coolest guy in town. I don't know. Everybody likes him. And she just sees, watches him from the tower, I guess. I think it is nice that she's like a good balance for Jack, though, right? Because Santa Claus is even like, she's the only one who has any sense around here. Jack is like kind of hyperactive almost. You know what I mean? Like he's the one who's getting constantly like, or like fixated on something and going on. And she's like, uh, don't do this. And she, try, 
Even the point where she tries to recreate the Rudolph plot to stop him. Which is resolved in like two seconds. Yeah, that must just be like a, a fun nod to Rudolph, which I don't really get. That's like the one thing of this movie. Mm-hmm. The relationship doesn't bother me. The Rudolph thing to me, it like always kind of did, even as a kid. Because like I saw this little like flying dog with the like nose that lit up. I was like, oh, there's going to be like a Rudolph moment later. Like, what's up with that? Well, it's like, it seems like a lot of it is inspired by those like kind of Rankin Bass yeah. specials and Rudolph. He reads the Rudolph book at some point even. And mm-hmm. they like mentioned like, they say like fog, like the simile of fog is thick as pea soup is mentioned, but without the pea soup part. Like, it seems like there's a lot of Rudolph DNA in it, just kind of warped and fucked up. We can't take off in this. The reindeer can't see an inch in front of their noses. Phew! This fog's as thick as... as... Jelly brains! Thicker! There go all of my hopes. My precious plans. My glorious dreams. Christmas. Yeah, it's like exactly one of those movies, but like on steroids from a production budget standpoint as well. Like, what did you say the budget was? Steve? Like twenty six million? Twenty four millions. It's a lot of millions. Nineteen ninety. Why didn't he have an abominable snowman in this or a bumble? Bumbles bounce. Uh, yeah, I was gonna think of like an evil snowman. Well, that was kind of the point. Like when Jack got in the snowman. Ah, they don't got snow. They would just have to have an abominable man. Climate change hit <laughs> Halloween Town hard. <laughs> He's not a snowman. He's a snow man. Jay Z. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everyone. There were objects so peculiar they were not to be believed, or round things to tantalize my brain. It's a world unlike anything I've ever seen And as hard as I tried I can't seem to describe like the most improbable dream But you must believe when I tell you this It's as real as my skull And it does exist Here, let me show you This is a thing called a present The whole thing starts with a box A box? Is it steel? Is it filled with a pox? A pox? How do I from a pox? If you please. Stevie, what do you think of like all the uh, the the creepy and crazy characters in Halloween Town? Like we get to see a lot of them at the beginning and then in the town meeting. Can we all say our favorites? Yes. Yes. This would be a good one. time. Mm-hmm. I have a couple. The devil guy and the goopy faced guy. <laughs> the molasses faced. Oh, the sticky. Oh, I know you're talking Booger about. Booger face. Yeah, Jack touches his face and gets some on his finger or something and flicks it at the camera i think okay i'll go i really like i guess lock shock is it lock shock and barrel but lock, spe- yes. shock, yep but specifically the part where they throw santa down the pipe so he's about to get tortured to death by oogie boogie and they just start cracking up laughing like they just saw like the funniest like Ace Ventura joke ever. Like they are just <laughs> loving it. <laughs> I, that's my favorite, most joyous part of the movie. They're just—it's kind of dark, but it's so funny. You love to see it. Pee Wee Herman as Locke. Yep. Uh, I like the um, vampires when they sing "Something's Wrong with Jack." I, I really like that part. Um, <laughs> and I like the little blind kid who's like, 
Christmas is canceled. His like eyes are like sewn shut. <laughs> Something. The tender lumplings kid. Yeah, he comes up a couple times. Uh, like Mikey said, there's like one of the guys in the uh, in the Halloween town is just like literally Satan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks like uh, the devil from Futurama. <laughs> I like that dude, but also like the guy with the axe in his head always like has intrigued me because he just has like brain damage. <laughs> like Jack's going and interacting with the crowd at the town hall meeting, and that guy's just like staring straight ahead while Jack is like trying to like get his attention with his like hands on his shoulders and stuff. If Jack is Adam Sandler, that guy's his Rob Schneider. <laughs> Dude, it's weird you say that because I was thinking it's his happy Gilmore boss with the nail in his head. It's like kind oh. of that beat. <laughs> Richard Keel. Why is it a lies? <laughs> but Corey was saying something cooler. Oh, yeah. One thing that like caught my attention more so on this watch than all my other dozens of rewatches in my life was the uh, the tree that just has like lynched corpses like hanging from it. Like that's that's some dark shit. A little bit of gallows humor. Yeah, what <laughs> is their economy? Because like in Monsters Inc., at least they're like scaring kids for energy. These guys are just spooky for the hell of it. <laughs> just well, I think that like brings me to my favorite character, which is the werewolf. Because that dude is just wearing like jeans and a flannel, and I have a, I like <laughs> I have to think he like gets up and goes to work. But like, what is his job? The lumberjack. That's the only thing I can think of. Because it's like. Out of everybody in the town, I look at that werewolf and I go, all right, he goes to work. He sets yeah. his alarm, you know, at 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. You know, he's a shift supervisor somewhere, but where I don't know because I don't know what their currency is or what they do. What if Halloween Town has figured out socialism and there is no currency at all whatsoever? It's perfect socialist. People system. still go to work. <laughs> still going to work. I mean, he, the Wolfman guy is like... um. He's like the old school style, like Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman, right? Like where he, he shifts, <laughs> but he still has the clothes on, right? From when he was human. Yeah. Just like slightly torn up and blown up. They do. They definitely have some sort of currency because doesn't Jack Skellington tip the saxophone player some kind of coin? He goes, thanks, Bone Daddy. <laughs> or something. Nice oh, work, yeah. Bone Daddy. That's what it is. Sammy yeah. Davis guy. Yeah. Nice work. Bone Daddy. When you mentioned the tree of corpses, it made me think that Disney used to be a lot more comfortable with characters getting lynched than they are now. Like Pirates of the Caribbean, Hocus Pocus, The Haunted Mansion. It just doesn't happen as much anymore. Fucking woke culture, am I Disney, right? You changed, bro. <laughs> go woke, go broke, bro. It's <laughs> bright. <laughs> Dave, you're a perfect person to ask this question. Is this movie, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas, is it woke? <laughs> Um, good question. This is, I mean, if they if they truly do live in a socialist society, then we would have to lean towards yes. But I think I don't know. Don't, I remember there being some controversy last year about the Oogie Boogie character. So I'm kind of leaning towards it's not. What was the controversy? Cancel Oogie Boogie. Like the original writer said that they wanted to change the name Oogie Boogie. Apparently, it's like a slur. I guess. Oh. And they I were see. like, Nah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So I guess, I mean, maybe there's maybe there was like a civil war going on in this Nightmare Before Christmas <laughs> writing writer's room. I do only see 
white holidays represented. Not a lot of uh, Kwanzaa. Not a <laughs> lot Ramadan of land. Uh, Kwanzaa town. Ramadan. Uh, <laughs> not, not a lot of Hanukkah. I, I don't see a lot of Pappy. Question for real, though. We just mm. did Avatar. Right. And we found out Disney has changed that movie. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching this, I really had the feeling like, I don't know if this is the original artist's version, because if there was something that went too far in this movie, which could have easily happened, they would have just taken it out. And I would be none the wiser. And I was pretty cynical a lo- for a while watching this movie. I mean, yeah, they could have easily like blurred out the effigies or the, the, yeah, the lynch people or something. I did watch. So I watched the Blu-ray and I watched the Disney Plus version. I didn't notice any differences that jumped out to me. But like, you're right. Who's to say? I know this movie so deeply that I know like each musical beat and sound effect that's about to come up at any given time. And I can safely say it hasn't changed at least since the VHS release on its original run. Disney just used to be so much cooler. Like, dude, Katzenberg greenlit this movie. That's awesome. <laughs> like, they were taking risks back then. He knew. He knew. I mean, was this a part of the 2% annuity? Probably. Corey, could this movie be made today? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, people would complain about it. They'd call it woke. First of all, no, because nobody cares about animation. No studio exec cares about animation, so nobody's going to make it. Doesn't I mean, Wes Anderson makes like stop motion movies, right? He's out there doing it. No, WB kills any chance of animation. Something like this. I don't know. I, I, stop animation? Like, what was the last one? Kubo and the Two Strings? How long ago was that? Five years. Granted, that movie is fucking awesome. That movie's amazing. We should do that sometime. That movie's crazy. But, like, stop animation is just so exhausting to to produce i would imagine it's a like, lot of prep work these guys have got to be like so careful trying to choose a new ip to make a stop animo- animation movie about just because there's so much work that goes into it is it surprising that they've like never made a sequel from this no course right right or is that not a sequel it kind of is right there's so much money to be made right like i feel like i mean enchanted hocus pocus they're just churning out the sequels now on streaming like i'm surprised they haven't <laughs> gone to this well yet make it a live action stop motion <laughs> remake <laughs> where the people just move little bit an ai generated stop motion movie with luke skywalker <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it's just I wish there would be more stop motion stuff. I love Wallace and Gromit as well, but it's just, you got to know run. that those guys just like have got to be thinking in the back of their heads. Like this, ju- this is just too much work. Like we can just CGI a movie. We can CGI five movies before we're going to s- stop motion. <laughs> one movie is, is what I'm imagining that they're thinking. There is actually a chicken run sequel coming out. I think. Thank God. <laughs> is that sarcasm or do you like that movie? Chicken Run's awesome. I don't remember that movie. It's a little bit after my time. My brother watched it. I don't remember it. It's fantastic. Something's up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. Don't know if we're ever going to get him back. He's all alone up there, locked away inside. Never says a word. Josh, I have a question for you. Oh, yeah. You have... What, three kids now? 
Did they watch this movie with you, or is this movie movie too dark for them? Too spooky. I think this movie's a little too spooky, don't you, Steve? Stevie? I mean... Josh, are your kids like 20 years old? Well, well what's your problem? <laughs> <laughs> Teresa loves this movie, I will say. And I know that the kids already know the soundtrack, but... We watched it a little bit when Ellie was little, and it's been a little while since we revisited it. That's a good question, Stevie. I don't know. It, I was kind of behind on this, so I didn't watch this until today. So I didn't really have like time to watch it with them, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Watch it after they went to sleep. It's so short. I was able to. <laughs> but I don't know. What, what do you think? Honestly, you're a dad, too. What do you think? So Olivia, she... Is about to turn two in like, let's see, oh my god, less than two weeks. Um, she is uh, obsessed with Jack Skellington. She sees him and just goes nuts. She calls him the Pumpkin King and just screams <laughs> it and runs around the room excited. So I let her watch up until Lock, Shock, and Barrel make an appearance. And that's about it. That's about, I think, all she could take. I don't want her to see, like, Oogie Boogie or, you know, anything kind of around, like, the dark time. So, yeah, I'd say up until we see about Lock, Shock, and Barrels when I let Olivia, like, watch up until. The Easter Bunny was traumatized. I'm surprised there's not more children out there who get traumatized from it. Is Halloween Town the first, like, town to cross over to these other holidays? It seems that way to me. Yeah, but like, it's like you never know what's going on in like Thanksgiving land or Independence Day land. or <laughs> Only genocide in Thanksgiving land. <laughs> Nothing good happens there. It's worse than Halloween Town. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's got to be some crossover with the pilgrims of Thanksgiving and the founding fathers of the 4th of July, right? This seems like something that Santa Claus had like always heard of, but never thought it would happen to him. That's why he was like so pissed <laughs> off at the end. I like the Santa Claus. That's a good looking Santa Claus. He's so rotund. You know what I mean? He's so big and like little tiny feet. (laughs) Having him say happy Halloween, it's one of those things that I'm like, you know, wow, I really never really thought what it would sound like to hear Santa Claus say happy Halloween. Like, what a twist. Happy Halloween! Merry Christmas! Corey, I have a question for you. You seem to deeply love this movie. Is Oogie Boogie a bad guy? Yes. In the context of their society, he does seem to be. And, you know, I I didn't really get, when I was younger, what, like, separates him from the rest of these characters because they all seem like there's, like, a dark edge to them, right? Like, one of them is Satan, for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so edgy. So, you know, Oogie Boogie is, um, he's different, though. And... I think what separates him, I mean, with not giving the reveal away now, I guess, not going into that end of things, is that he seems to actually be mean. And one of the lyrics to uh, This Is Halloween is, uh, like, this is that's our job, but we're not mean. Yeah. Right? And I might be reading into that line a little bit too much, but I think they're all, like, pretty just, like, nice people generally. They're just into spooky stuff. But Oogie Boogie is into, like, I think what would be considered, like, bad forms of behavior. I He's into gambling. And I think if this movie maybe were PG-13, he might be, like, 
boozing it up down there as well, you know, in his little gambling den. Uh, he's a little bit of a horn dog. We, we get the, we get him, <laughs> we get him fondling Sally's foot. Uh, oh, he's later a freak. On in the movie, so Boogie Boogie's a freak. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, he's into. I think he, I think there might have been some smoking down there as well. I suspect. So you suspect that he might have like stared into the eyes of a person dying at some point in his life. <laughs> <laughs> yes, is he that Josh, fucked up? He, is this is that future. kind of fucked <laughs> Wow, man. <laughs> we're going to do a podcast and we're going to be like, leave that no account Josh Long out of it. <laughs> I think uh, the way that like Oogie Boogie carries himself and like, he's just like a sack, right? But he's, you can tell that like he's filled with something. So like the way that the animators do that incredible really interesting yeah it's and like Mm -hmm. there's a part where he's cranking a wheel and the and the wheel is moving on its own and like the handle is hitting up against his belly and like rolling his sack fat i guess up i don't know it's like really cool but just the way that they like weight showing weight movement is like such an important thing in animation and like they do it so well with them you haven't got a friend Cause I'm Mr. Oogie Boogie And you ain't going nowhere I'm just wondering, is he a conglomerate of all those bugs? Or is he just one of the bugs? Like that presumably the last one that gets like squashed is him? It's a hive. Hive mind mm-hmm. bugs. Ender's game sort of thing. I don't know if you guys have read that series. I watched the movie. It's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Shit movie. I'm talking more about book two, where hive minds come into play. But... <laughs> okay, nerd. I, if the movie never got there, then I don't know, buddy. Never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> never saw that shit. <laughs> Pap, this is actually one of my favorite sequences of the movie. Do you like the sequence or kind of just event of scenes like when... Jack becomes Santa Claus for the night. Oh, yeah. It's great. Like when he's delivering the presents that like terrify mm-hmm. people. Um, I really like the wreath that could eat people. That's really funny. The The kid with the shrunken head, that was in the trailer. And I had so many VHS tapes that had the trailer for this movie in it. So I saw that like a million bajillion times, even outside <laughs> of like watching this movie. Um yeah, I, I like how Jack Skellington, he doesn't mean to do ill will, right? Like when he's hearing these shrieks of pain, he's probably thinking that they're like shrieks of joy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He's like going from, from house to house. Like he doesn't realize that he's doing a bad thing, even to the point where the government starts shooting missiles at him. And he, I guess he thinks they're like fireworks at first. Yeah, I really just enjoy that whole sequence in general. I mean, even the, you know, cop taking phone calls, you know, just getting, you know, irate parents about what's going on in their homes and the animation for the missiles blowing up in the sky. And I know Corey mentioned he doesn't like it earlier, but I really like poor Jack. I like that sequence a lot from when he's like laying in the arms of that statue. I think it's a, it's probably my second favorite song this entire movie. I really like it visually, Stevie. Like, yeah, especially like, like you said, him laying in the arms of that, uh, a statue that's great. It's just not one of my favorite songs, but uh, it looks great. 
Stevie question, why don't we see any of the adults' faces in the real world? Like the cop. Money! Too hard? I mean, they already made 200, you know, puppets per se. Like, over 200. That's a lot of extra work for a little payoff. I think it works fine visually just the way it is. And it's like one of those things where it's like... Like peanuts, where it's like you don't ever understand or see the parents' faces. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like something with animation. It's like, ah, oh, we don't need to see adults all the time. It doesn't really Muppet matter. Muppet babies, too. Yeah. Muppet. Oh, yeah, that's right. They was cut off at the knees. Spooky parents. Who knows how tall they are? Ooh, they don't have a head. I think it's great how that one kid, he pulls out his gift, and it's literally just a severed human head. That is amazing. Is it like one of those shrunken heads, or is it just a- maybe it is shrunken? I don't know. It's a shrunken. It reminded me of the, like the one from Beetlejuice, the guy with the shrunken head. Oh, that, yeah. That's who it's based off of. Good call, Pap. Better than Cole. See, I don't know if the daughters would have liked that, Stevie. <laughs> Your I'm daughter sorry. digs that stuff, though, huh? Okay. Only the That's first cool. twenty minutes. Only the first twenty. <laughs> okay. okay. And then we there turn off go. and switch to Moana. I I have limits. I'll say this, Stevie. When my kid was your kid's age, she was way into this movie. (laughs) Not just the first 20 minutes. Like, she just screams Pumpkin King when she sees him. Like, we were at at Target the other day. There was a Jack Skellington blanket that was orange. Went nuts. Running around (laughs) screaming Pumpkin King, Pumpkin King. Wanting to touch the pumpkin. I had to buy it for her. It was the most pathetic (laughs) thing in the world. I was like, you know what? You don't get to do a lot in life. Here you go. (laughs) <laughs> a pity blanket but Corey I was going to say earlier that I think the one reason I like poor Jack so much is the simple fact that he's really down on himself and just halfway through the movie he just says fuck it and goes on that tangent about you know well what the heck I went and did my best I love that part yeah I mean it's uh, again just not my favorite song but uh, certainly memorable and uh a little bit interesting that like his take on the situation is that way because it kind of exactly. seems like you know it's hubris it's like <laughs> <laughs> the way they play it is like yeah you shouldn't have done this and he's like you know what I tried to do it and I did alright fuck it <laughs> he kidnapped a person <laughs> that's bad Pap take us back to Halloween Town after Jack's been shot down and lamenting so I guess I think Jack is double dead at this point. Smithereens! And this is where... I don't think we talked about the scene where Santa Claus is being tortured. I really like Oogie Boogie's, like, that torture chamber sequence when it's in the blacklight. You know? That looks awesome. I love that. Yeah. That's really cool. I like how the bugs sing the chorus, too. Or just that little background. I like that a lot. But uh, this is the final showdown between Jack Skellington and Oogie Boogie. Josh, did you have any favorite uh, Oogie Boogie traps that he has? I'll just say that my favorite part about this is just how Jack just cleans him up. It's not much of a fight, right? It's not even close. Yeah. The power rankings are very lopsided here when it comes down (laughs) to it. Who does Oogie Boogie think he is? (laughs) (laughs) A fucking idiot. He goes against the god, right? Dies immediately. Well, that was the big point of contention between Henry Selleck and um, and Tim Burton was the ending. Explain. Corey, you know the story, right? Yeah, the uh, original ending, which Tim Burton rejected. Well, just to put it lightly, he rejected it. 
uh, was that underneath the uh, burlap sack, Oogie Boogie was actually the doctor who created Sally, Dr. Ficklestein. Mm. No. So it was like... Scooby-Doo. The way they describe it is like a Scooby-Doo moment. It's like, oh my God, it was really him the whole time. But it really doesn't make sense for it to be him, for him to be... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Jack's adversary. So... This is the one they went with. The writer that they uh, had replaced the original writer. She didn't like this version of the ending, and she tried to like rewrite it, and Tim Burton just wouldn't have it. So this is kind of like Burton's vision right here. So, yeah, like Corey said, it was a big point of contention. Um, they drew up animation dailies for the Dr. Finkelstein Scooby-Doo ending, and Tim Burton walked across the room and kicked a giant hole in the wall. Uh. Um. That's how angry he was. And then I think at another point later on down the road before they were sequencing out the ending again, Caroline Thompson, the writer, tried pitching another ending and Tim Burton cussed her out to high heaven. And that was the end of trying to change the ending. She also says he got, he like started attacking like equipment in the room <laughs> as well. So it seems like Tim, Tim Burton has like outbursts and will like start like flailing like a impotent toddler <laughs> which that's always like a turnoff to me when i hear like a director especially one who's like work that i like not that mm -hmm. tim burton directed this but you know when i hear them oh, act that way that that kind of bugs me the insolence is annoying but if it ends like we all agree that it would have sucked if it was a scooby-doo moment right so you yeah. gotta respect it but going back to pappy's question a minute ago what's my favorite trap in this section just for the audience who I guess if you haven't seen this, um, he makes like this huge casino of knives and playing cards, a craps table. There's dice that try to crush him. There's fire flying everywhere. So many pranks. He's from New Orleans. What do you want him to do? Not have these things? I love. Yeah, <laughs> he needs to have it. But I just have to reiterate my favorite part of all of this is how Jack Skellington just like speedrun Mario's every <laughs> single prank he tries to bring up. Even like there's these guys that fire bullets and he just dances on their guns. And then this like huge claw comes down with like a blade on it and he just jumps on that and uses it to tear the cloth off. And that's when Dave, we see a little thread come off <laughs> of Oogie Boogie's sweatshirt. Sweatshirt. <laughs> well, if you want to destroy his sweater, pull this thread as you walk away. Honestly, I feel like I'm realizing through this podcast that my fear of bugs might like come from this movie. Whoa. <laughs> wow. Ooh. Therapy session. What's the bug you're most scared of? It's honestly, I like can't get the image out of my head of, and I had a nightmare about this last night when I watched it, um, and it was a nightmare that oh, happened no. before Christmas um, of the ones, <laughs> the ones that fall out of him into Santa's beard. Like I just can't get those out of my head. Oh. <laughs> Are you a man with a beard, Dave? <laughs> I don't have a beard, and maybe that's why. <laughs> I'm so sorry we said that close-up of the ant's face to the group. I have text. Like I have I'm that sorry, and will not Don't open look. the chat. You, Don't you look. didn't. You didn't open that. Okay, that's. It's terrifying. Let me tell you. Also, don't look on our Instagram because it's posted. Yeah, there take right like now. a month break from the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to spoilers in in the Thanksgiving time. 
I like uh, when he's obviously dying and bleeding out and all those bugs are falling into like real, I don't know, they're, like they're using real goop or whatever to drop bugs in and it's like clearly not claymation. I don't know, it looks pretty cool. Just to have like a real molten lava-y effect, I guess, con contrast with like the bugs falling in there. They were saying yeah. on the commentary that like everybody on set had to make bugs. Like if you were a producer, associate producer, if you had like free time, you just like would make little bugs in the corner because <laughs> they needed so many of them. Yeah, I mean, it, that would be so hard to do. I can't imagine like trying to hold all of those bugs in Oogie Boogie's shape or whatever and then having them fall off, and, like trying to animate that. That's crazy. That's so hard. That's got to be so hard. I also enjoyed like watching the behind the scenes behind the scenes of this movie that they professionally lit it like it was they were shooting an actual movie not like stop motion animation and I feel like that makes this movie really stand out because it's nearly shot in all darkness and I feel like the lighting and the shadows works perfectly because you really don't see a whole lot of skipping in this movie because they were so crazy about detail I think it's just I think the lighting works great in this movie I think it's one of the things that has lasted and standed the or stood the test of time, Stevie. When you think about this movie from your childhood or the last time you saw it, it's probably the one of the like really well lit images that come to mind. It's just I don't know. I mean the moon behind that like curvy hill is iconic. It looks like something I mean a lot of Tim Burton stuff looks very Dr. Susie, but that that hill is so cool. I really, really love it. And the end one's like covered in snow. One of my favorites is the green flicker from the tower when he's like experimenting in the background. Mm -hmm. It's like from, uh, what's her name? Sally's perspective. And you can just see like <laughs> the room just, I don't know. He's like a mad scientist up there trying to figure it out. And the green, so cool. Josh, you're a man of the camera. I mean, did you notice, I'm sure you did like the camera movement within this movie? And just how incredible it is. Like how many sweeping shots they did. Honestly, like I try not to think about it because it's too like mind blowing. All the moving pieces that must be like involved with this, Stevie. Like I don't, the mind kind of boggles when the camera moves after yeah. like it's already stop motion and you're kind of like bought into it. And then the camera moves. I was just watching back. And there's one part where Santa is like talking. And at first I was thinking, oh, this is just like, this is probably easy for them. This is a good scene for them to just like throw away scene. Santa's filling up some time just talking. But no, the camera pans up and he like <laughs> floats out and flies out of scene. And it ends up with this like really obscure angle of his feet like flying out. There's so many like little surprises like that in the movie. Is that kind of what you mean, Stevie? Yeah, there's a lot of like, I mean, camera movement like within, I wouldn't even call it miniatures, but these like sound stages themselves. So whether it's like, you know, a camera is like moving and panning out while Jack is talking or moving, or when he's walking through the woods or doing panning shots, like the camera itself almost feels like a character because it's not a very still movie at all. I was thinking that because like, there's a scene where Jack is like doing all of those experiments or whatever, and the camera is panning like across yes. a bunch of them. I was like, I wonder how big this set is because you got to fit a camera through all of this and like 
track it around all of these different things without i don't know i guess you could move stuff in the end but like this camera is still big and moving around this tiny miniature set yeah so i think they had 20 sound stages probably i mean these sets were massive like halloween town i think was i think if i remember correctly i want to say halloween town was maybe oh good lord like th- like 24 26 feet across that's crazy it's big what was crazy too is just the amount of meticulous planning that they had to do like i don't did you see that on the um making of stevie like how they had the like storyboard every single scene and then build like, every single word and scene you're right were storyboarded then build like the quarter scale miniature which was like identical to was like gonna be like the later big yeah. miniature that they had to build it's just so crazy so much work to like make this and there's a lot on the screen a lot a lot of times like if you pay attention to stuff in the background you'll probably see stuff you never noticed like it wasn't until very recently i noticed that there's a grim reaper guy among the citizens what? of halloween town yeah he's at the town meeting but there's there's a lot of stuff like that that you can notice because uh to quote I think it was Rick McCollum who worked on uh, The Phantom Menace. <laughs> Every frame is so dense. Every scene has so much going on. They have gone too far in a few places. This time in a good way. You got any more examples though, Corey? Yeah, I mean, especially Christmas Town. Like, Christmas Town has... There's... You for following Jack a lot of times, but there's a lot of, like, small things moving around him in the background and at his feet a lot of times. So, like, you'll notice, like, the steam coming off of, like, the pies in the window and all, all these little things that are just, I don't know, pretty cool. I never really, like, paid attention to, like, the shadows in the windows and stuff in Christmas Town until recently. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff like that that you can pick up on in the movie. The integration of, like, the, I don't know if it's, like, digital or hand-drawn animation CV, but, like, the ghosts, you know, like... How the ghosts are like carrying the packages. Um, that looks pretty drawn, I mean, uh, yeah, the ghosts were hand drawn. Uh, the gifts were rotoscoped. Yeah, that. I mean, that all is pretty incredible. Yeah, the ghosts are like my favorite part. Not just that, but also like the fire, the um, liquids in this movie, like the green liquid coming out of the fountain. It's so much work that goes into this stuff. And I get it. That's probably a reason why they don't make these things anymore. Or it's like once every 10 years. Just because it's so grueling, you don't know if you can get a return on it and expensive, but it's one of those things I think you just have to honestly just love it to make it. Because, I mean, three years working on a movie, I'd probably blow my brains out. Yeah, that is, in today's standards, like in the era of like we're cranking out Netflix movies, there's a new Netflix movie every week, like three hours for one animated movie, studios aren't going to take the risk. Like that is fucking insane compared to just cranking out a shitty netflix movie there's no there's no monetary reason to ever do it like it's just so rare to ever happen before we get into yes or no do you guys have any um final thoughts i have a hot take that i'd like to pose and see how the group mm. feels um spicy i spicy feel like boys. this is the worst thing that ever happened to tim burton because <laughs> um 
Even Whoa. though it's not his movie, it's kind of like a, it's not like a Quentin Tarantino Two Days in the Valley thing where it's like ripping him off. It's more like a Jordan Peele Candyman thing where everyone just like kind of thought it was his movie. Um, so it feels like it's still pretty much like associated with him a lot more than even something like Big Fish or, or uh, I don't even know, would be uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. People don't always think about as being Tim Burton, but he started out this very dynamic filmmaker doing Pee Wee's and he could do Batman, Beetlejuice. They all felt pretty distinct. And then this thing like comes along and sure, he still does a couple odd things here and there that are more his aesthetic speed but he seems to get kind of trapped into this specific um type of movie um and he keeps coming back to it now he's and he's now he's at the point in his career where he did like miss peregrines um had to do a dumbo remake and is now just doing a wednesday adams netflix show like did this just break him is it like was he never able to get out of this box truly ever again i mean i feel like he did get out of this box I think this is like the Beetlejuice era, Edward Scissorhands era, Batman Returns era, Tim Burton. Like the black and white, strong, aesthetic Tim Burton. Sweeney Todd. After Planet of the Apes, it's like saturated colors, heavy CGI Tim Burton. You still get some of these visuals with movies like Willy Wonka and maybe Alice in Wonderland. But, like, they start to wane. Like, this aesthetic definitely starts to, to change. And especially with, like, the, the way he uses color in his later movies. I think this is right in there with those classic Tim Burton movies. Like, Pee Wee Edward Scissorhands, Batman Returns. They all have, like, a same vibe. I think later they started to change. And I think it's very noticeable after Planet of the Apes. But to answer Dave's question... Every movie you guys named. Planet of the Apes, Big Fish. What were some of the other ones you guys like? Miss, well, Sweeney Todd's. Lights. I mean, Sweeney Todd's solid. We ended up okay, but Hollow. how many of them are named Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes? Tim okay, Burton's I'll say this. You Big guys are fish. talking about Tim Burton's name in the title? Disney made that decision. 100%. The reason they made that But decision. that's just why. Batman. That's why, though. I'm just answering the question. I'm not saying it's right. Tim Burton's Dumbo. <laughs> Let's get ready to Dumbo. <laughs> Michael Buffer says that in a movie. I want to add Tim Burton's to the beginning of every single movie he's ever made. Tim Burton's Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. <laughs> Tim Burton's Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. <laughs> I love it. Stevie, what's your current stance on Tim Burton? Because I really can't stress this enough. Like I've known you for a long time. We've been friends for a long time. You've always despised him and this movie. So this is a very exciting development. <sighs> well, that's the, that's the exciting part is he really didn't have a lot to do with this movie. Um, <laughs> I really get down with this early shit. Like Batman, Beetlejuice, Pee Wee. I even fragments of Eddie Scissorhands I can jive with. It's post that, that like Sleepy Hollow, Sweeney Todd. You don't like Sleepy Hollow? Dude, fuck off. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. I think the better question is this Henry Selleck guy versus Tim Burton. Who are you choosing? Henry. In a fight? Yeah, this guy's got some fucking bangers. What are we making right yeah, now? I mean, yeah, exactly. What are we making? We're making Coraline. Are we making Nightmare? Like, what are we making here? 
James and the Giant Peach. I mean, Coraline, yeah. Frank and Weenie's cool, Monster House, Paranorman's awesome, Casper, like, this dude, I don't know, I can only name, like, Batman and this, or not even this, I guess, uh, for Tim Burton. I just don't really like his stuff. I think, like, Quay brought up a good point, though. Like, it, really a big part of my hatred, though, <clears throat> for Tim Burton comes from Planet of the Apes. Because I was, like, I think I was, like, 10 or 11 when that came out. I was really fired up to see that movie because of how much I love the original. There was there was hype with that movie. Oh, my like, God. Insane hype. I remember walking out of that theater going... That made no sense. Like, <laughs> it makes zero sense. Well, the marketing of that movie was that the twist is even bigger and better than the original. So you're waiting for that. So in addition to like it not being a great ride the whole way there, with the exception of like some of the most amazing makeup effects I've ever seen, outside of that, that twist is, I mean, it's just like an M. Night Shyamalan. It's just for the sake of it. It made no sense. What's the twist? Abraham Lincoln is an ape. <laughs> no. Are you serious? <laughs> it literally... Pap, I shit you I've not. I've never seen it. It ends, it ends with Mark Wahlberg doing his confused question face bullshit all over again. He perfected it in this movie. But he he leaves the Planet of the Apes <laughs> in his ship, goes off, you know... Goes pe- back to Planet of the Humans. Goes back to the Planet of the Humans, gets back, is arrested, I shit you not, by guerrilla police officers... At the at the Abraham Lincoln Memorial, where Abraham Lincoln is a goddamn ape, hmm. and that's how the movie ends. It's pretty cool. It's not, Josh. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> it's so I saw cool. that in theaters too. It's kind of cool. It makes doesn't make no any sense. sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. What do you? He goes back to Earth, his Earth. Yeah. Why would Abraham Lincoln be an ape then? We. <laughs> Uh, Corey, explain it to me. We can't. Corey! (laughs) The only thing, if I'm going to be like an apologist, if I was like in a debate club or something, I would say that uh, it's actually a time travel movie. And Mark Wahlberg affected the timeline somehow. Now, Mm. I'd have to rewatch the movie to try try and reach for reasons how. That's it. No, that's it. He definitely slept with an ape woman. Somewhere Whoa. along the timeline. He does kiss Helena Bonham Carter. Oh. Was that Tim Burton's downfall? <laughs> he didn't mix up with her? Yeah, didn't he ta- tattoo his dick in a pinstripe fashion as well? That might have been the nail in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the rumor, the crazy rumor about Tim Burton? Wait, <laughs> what? Kind of pinstripe dick. Yeah, pinstripe dick. <laughs> what do you mean pinstripe? Just like Jack Skellington pinstripes. Yeah, stripes. like yeah. his dick is striped. Like the IU Hoosier's pants. Whoa. Yeah, he went cream and crimson on his cock. That would be pretty awesome. Classic Tim Burton lore. I want to know what your guys' favorite song is from the movie. And it's really just a pretense so I can say mine. That's a good question. Which is by far Sally's song. Which is the very song I used to skip when I was a kid because I thought it was the girl song and I was <laughs> dumb. What do you guys think? What's this? Yeah, what's this? 
what is that is mine. <laughs> what are what those? Those? What are, what's, what's happening? <laughs> this is Halloween. Is a banger. Just on every, it should be on every Halloween playlist ever. Hell yeah, that and the Misfits. Um, I think my favorite song is Jack's Lament. Uh, I, like I say, I identify with that song, but like as I get older, it's like that song is. Like I think that's like the soul of that movie. Like what? Just, I mean, I brought it up earlier just the idea of a guy being up, you know, on top of the world and like no one knowing that like he's in pain and longing for something more and not just the same thing every time. Yeah, I think that's like in the song is like, even if it wasn't like a, even if it wasn't Nightmare Before Christmas or even these lyrics. The vocal range involved in this movie is so chaotic and the different directions that song goes is so much fun to listen to. I think that song is probably my favorite and the best song of the movie. It's a cool message. He's good at something, but he wants to try something new. He goes all out, you know, totally fails, but it's okay. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really matter. Like at least he tried, you know, it's a really cool like message for a kid's movie. It's very unique. You know, it's weird. Is I think this coincides with the year that Michael Jordan decided to do some baseballing. Oh, Tim Burton, big, big sports guy. <laughs> I don't know. Let's... Michael Jordan went to the Oogie Boogie Lounge to gamble. He <laughs> <It's like, laughs> <laughs> didn't come out for you. <laughs> it was actually 1994, so Michael Jordan took after Jack Skellington and decided to follow his passion. He watched this movie and was like, this is literally me. <laughs> <laughs> and he went to the black and white White Sox. He's just like me for real. I'll say this. We're talking about how good the music is in this movie, which is a credit to Elfman, right? Elfman worked on this movie because he was hired by Burton. But Tim Burton, I think it all goes back to Paul Rubens. Because Tim Burton's first movie was... Uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and it was Paul Rubens who chose a director who had never directed a feature film before. He chose Tim Burton, and thanks to like that sequence of events a few years earlier, we get this and some other great movies, in my opinion, and some great scores, in my opinion. You know, Elfman had never scored a movie until Pee-wee's Big Adventure, I believe. So, like, it, I think we really got a lot out of that sequence of events. I don't know. Tim Burton's name is on it, so I'm going to have to credit him with everything for this movie. (laughs) Seems like the real mastermind behind every detail of this movie. His baby. Suck it, Selleck. (laughs) Yeah. I think Selleck's angry about it. I really do. I'm going to be honest, I don't even know that guy's name, but looking at his filmography now, it's like, oh, I know all of his movies. I just don't know his name. But yeah, he's definitely... He's who I would associate with the most Tim Burton style, I would say, I guess. I don't know. It's bizarre. He's, I don't know. When I think of Tim Burton, I'm thinking of this guy's movies. (laughs) (laughs) Stevie, the only other note that I had is something that Mikey pointed out earlier in the group thread that we're recording this on the 29-year anniversary of The Nightmare Before Christmas's release. What a change of events, huh, Pap? Who would have thought 10 years ago I would say this is a top 10 Disney film all time? Wow. My draft one. 
You're right. I agree. I had the best soundtrack. Well, the people spoke about that. You know, they, they I think they liked mine a little bit better, but um What was the last thing I was gonna say? I think we're alright. You guys ready for some yes or no's? Oh yeah. Yes. Alright, let's start with Dave. Uh I'll I'll I'm gonna be a no on it. Um it's <sighs> Damn one it's of those just not guys. It's just not my <laughs> tempo. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. The, I'm just, it's seared into my memory. There's a lot of good stuff with it. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love a lot of the Christmas elements. And I think the Halloween designs are pretty cool, even though it looks like, like, right before the Berlin Wall fell. Um, but it's, it's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot good to love about it. And I know it's important to a lot of people, but it, it just, like, when I think about it, I feel upset. <laughs> uh, let's go with Mikey. Uh, it's a yes. Uh, I think the animation is incredible, like I've been talking about. Uh, I just... Musical... There's so much music in this, and I'm just not the biggest fan of, like, music in movies, the character singing and all of that jazz. But, I mean, the music is good as well. It's just I'm not the biggest fan of it, but... I gotta say, the animation is incredible. I think this is the first time I've watched it like all the way through. Uh, I just don't remember ever watching this as a child, but watching it all the way through now and seeing all of the crazy camera movements and everything, like we were talking about the lighting as well, is amazing. Uh, really incredible movie to just look at. Just absolutely incredible movie. Uh, so it's a hard yes on that point. So. Yeah, I'm just going to have to go with uh, just a, a solid yes. George. I'm not a huge musicals fan either, but I got to give this like a yes. I kind of came into this with a grumpy mood today when I was watching it. And I kind of like Dave when I was a kid. I wasn't a huge fan of this movie, but it, it wins you over. I think there's a truth to the lost art form of stop animation I like some of my earliest memories of media are Gumby that's oh, one of yeah. the stop animations we haven't mentioned yet but that's like anything stop animation to me is kind of like a throwback to Gumby basically um, and one of the things that Corey said too if you needed a cherry on top to convince you like all the little details in this movie and the rewatchability and other parts of the frame you could just look at while rewatching. The thoughtfulness there, I think, just pushes it up to a yes. And just as a bonus, Catherine O'Hara as Sally, her voice is like so adorable. Sally, you like fall in love with, despite the fact she's like a sewn together kind of disgusting thing, I guess. But she's still adorable in every way except for like the stitches. I, I don't know, but it's a yes for me, Stevie. Solid. Pap. Yeah, talk about people who went on a run in, in this time. Catherine O'Hara, she was in some fucking classic, classic movies. Home Alone. Home Alone, Beetlejuice. Uh, definite, definite hard yes for me. Um, 
always were my favorite Kingdom Hearts levels were uh, what was when the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas level in each of the games. And I think it's like I get what Dave's coming from where I could see someone just like rejecting this aesthetic out of hand, right? Like if you're not into the way it's kind of creepy and spooky and a little gross, maybe like, I mean, it's just going to not be a fun time for you. But I, I do really like it. Um, I think the only real flaw is like sometimes the story is a little bit thin. Like I almost wish wish this movie was a little bit longer. I know it's like sacrilege to say on spoilers, but like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like at one point Jack Skellington's just walking and he ends up in a place he's never been before. It's just a little like, well, that was fast. But I, I do like the way the songs drive the story. The first 20 minutes of this movie in particular are incredible. An amazing like achievement artistically. Uh, Hard yes for me. Great pick, too, by the way. Straddling the Christmas season and spooky season. Uh, We don't do enough Christmas movies. I'm trying. Good choice. Yeah, this movie is 70 minutes long. It's crazy. That rates very highly with me. Yeah, this is Corey. Kylo Ren memes. A hardest of yes for Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. I... I'm so deeply connected to this movie. It's incredible. Like I watching this movie is it's like it's, it feels like it's always been a part of me because like for as long as I can actively remember watching movies, this has been one of the ones like in my rotation. And, you know, I've never really gotten tired of it. I never went through like a phase where I hated it like I did with like Surf Ninjas or some other movies that to this day I like. Uh, I deeply regret not including it in my top 10 movies of the 90s that we did with Film Dylan. Um, it might have bumped out American Movie or Heavyweights because it, that's how much I like this. Uh, the songs are just really amazing and the score is a vibe. Uh, you know, I, I was in the past, uh, I didn't really get the Oogie Boogie is all bugs thing, but now I, I somewhat get it more. Like, he's kind of like this amalgamation of like all the scummiest parts of their society kind of put together in a singular being. I think that's cool. Another thing I kind of like thought about on my most recent rewatch that I've never really indulged is that, uh, that Jack's obsession with trying to share a feeling of joy with other people, like something gave him an immense feeling of joy and it's something that he can't articulate to other people and he realizes that you can't really share that kind of feeling. You can share the thing, but you can't share the feeling. And that was a really interesting thought to me. Uh, I said earlier this movie would be called Woke Today. It would, because there would be conversations about cultural appropriation, which is kind of like part of this movie in an indirect way, or maybe that's just the way my modern eyes perceive it. Uh, There's... There's so much you can say about the animation. We talked about that in quite in depth, but it's just beautiful and it's amazing that people accomplish this. Like, how amazing would it be to have been one of the artists on this movie and you got to say, this is something I made? Like, incredible. Um, what else? Uh, I guess I'll end with a question. Obviously, hardest of yes again. But question for you, Stevie. Disneyland or Disney World Haunted Mansion, regular or Nightmare Before Christmas themed? What is your preference? Been to both. Um, Maynard. 
Well, here's my thing. I've only been to Disneyland once and I was like 15 years old. I've been to Disney World a million times. Um, I like the aesthetic of like the Disneyland Haunted Mansion in California better, like on the outside. Um, Agreed. I just think, it, I mean, it has that kind of like southern, you know, Louisiana Haunted Mansion kind of swampy feel to it. Way more than a Haunted Mansion and built on a swampland would somehow. Um, you thought <laughs> they really could have made that come through. But, you know, who knows? So I'm talking when they theme it up for Nightmare Before Christmas. So Yeah, I know. I prefer, like, me personally, I prefer regular themed. Kind of like a traditionalist that way. Wow, conservative. Yeah, I know, Staunch. right? <laughs> I, like, have you guys ever been to, or have you ever been to, like, Mickey's um, Happy Halloween Party or Haunted Halloween Party? Uh, sadly, no. I've had to... Uh, Corey wasn't invited. <laughs> I've had to watch the videos on YouTube. It's so. <laughs> really cool. I think it's a sham they make you pay an extra hundred bucks to get in. You know, and they kick everybody out. They don't have tickets, you know, at a certain time. It's a sham. But it actually is really cool. You can see, like, a lot of kids, like, trick-or-treating and stuff. They do the same thing around Christmas time for his Christmas party. But, like, I, I know I'm kind of dragging here. But as far as theme goes, I prefer, like, traditional. How about you, Corey? Uh, I'd say Nightmare Before Christmas has a slight edge, but yeah. they're both really incredible. I mean, really, I'm just going there to, you know, see a guy hang himself in the dark and hear a loud scream. That's all I'm there for. I love that. I love that. that you, there's a person like hanging to death. <laughs> I, a part of me thought this past year when I went with uh, my daughter and wife, when I looked up and I said, like, who approved this? You know, who in Disney was like, hey, let's show a guy hang himself on the kid's ride. That'll go over well. Like Walt. It, that just cracks me up. But um, I guess I'll go. Um, I'll give this the hardest of yeses. Um, I'm really happy that I've turned on this movie. I think this movie should be called Henry Sucks Nightmare Before Christmas. I think Tim Burton should do the honorable thing and hand that oh, over. Oh, yeah. Um, I think it's bullshit that it's still called that. And I think Tim knows it too, but his career is kind of wailing or kind of waning, so he needs this. The amount of work that went into this movie is absolutely astonishing. Uh, like Corey said, just the little details are incredible. Even that iconic, you know, spiraling hill that spirals out, when you see how it was made and how they literally attached Jack step by step and placed him and rolled it out so fluidly is just incredible. I mean, it's pretty much spring loaded. And they were pretty much screwing in Jack's feet from underneath and like pretty much placing him like along the way and just makes it look so smooth. Uh, the voice acting is great. The score and the um, songs by Danny Elfman are absolutely iconic. And uh, I just hope this movie just keeps on going. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Tim Burton's aesthetic, but this movie really, really works for it. So hardest of yeses. Is that a food? Five out of six? Melted candy cane. Oh, that sounds terrible. You guys ready for some trivia? Let's do it. Yee yee. Okay. <laughs> Since we did a movie on Jack Skellington, who is a pumpkin king and is a man of bones, or, you know, Mr. Unlucky to a guy in Kentucky, we're going to be doing a closest two on bones. Now, the python 
has the most bones in the entire animal kingdom. How many bones does it have? <sighs> now, Pap, you know I'm terrible at this, even though I've been doing this for five years now. I have no idea what the order is. Yeah. Is it closest to? No price is right? It is closest to. No okay. price is right. Um, you're the most recent, obviously, with Nightmare. Then Brett, who's not here, who's in South Carolina. Teeth. Uh, so it'd be uh, most recent host, Mikey with Upgrade, me with Avatar, Josh with Children of Men, then Corey's on the Schneid with Good Time. But we could also let Dave guess, too, just for fun. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, how does Dave figure into that? Phone a friend. How about we do this? If Dave wins, he can be on the podcast and film Dylan's no longer allowed. What if Dave <laughs> just like picks one person's guests and it's thrown out? <laughs> he just can, eliminate oh, okay. one person. <laughs> can Dave... Okay, so if Dave wins, that's a sign that we go straight to Patreon. And then when we get out of Patreon, we come back to Dave for... That's fine. Pick. What about I'm that? Cool with that. Wow, this is high pressure. Okay, so um, we're gonna have Dave go last. Then, other than that, he has to wait for till twenty twenty four, probably. <laughs> and we're never doing Patreon <laughs> movies again. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, do you want to go first or last? I'll go last. Okay, Mikey, you're up. How many bones, bones does a python have? Most in the animal kingdom. Uh, are we getting like an average size of python? Like, let me. We're getting a, a rough estimate of how big this python is, or what? I need, I need python can vary pretty wide in. Let's size. call it the giant python. Oh boy, um, they have more bones <laughs> than a regular one. They do more bones. Um, two thousand bones. Two thousand bones. Papsters. Um. The mo- I don't even know how many bones a human has. 216. Um, thank you. I'll say 2001 bones. And I have no idea about the human thing. I just threw it out there. Oh, damn it. Is it's it 2001? Two- bones, yeah. 2001s. George. No, you're pretty close, Stevie. Human bone. Human ha- Humans have like around 200 bones. Did you guys have Mrs. Tasca at Concord? Do you remember her? For homeroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After I took her final junior year, she came out and sucked me out and... Whoa. What? She sucked you out? No way. That's got to be in and out. Holy shit. SVU. She sought me out in the cap... Okay. She sought me out in the... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Josh is flustered. Josh is reliving the trauma. It's okay. Junior year after I took Mrs. Tasca's final, she sought me out in the cafeteria. And she was like, can I have a word with you in the lobby? And I was like, yes. Oh, God. And she comes. was like, I just want you to know this is the first time anyone's gotten an A plus on my final. So, of course, I know the human bone system has around 200, Stevie. But there the we Python... told that whole traumatizing story for that? <laughs> yeah, man. It's a podcast. <laughs> Ever heard of it? <laughs> Pappy, you have to edit this episode. Because I know Josh is going to edit out that last part. It's the reason you retold the entire thing. 
Thanks for that little insert there, Stevie. But anyway, it's off to get to the guest. I will say sixteen hundred bones. Sixteen hundred bones. Bones. Probably Dave, because Corey's last. Yeah, we'll Mikey. Go Wait, did All Mikey right. go? Yeah, no, Mikey. Yeah, Mikey I said two thousand. Uh, I really didn't think. Okay, this is probably it's embarrassing. I didn't think a python had bones to begin with. Um, I was shocked too. <laughs> Say zero. <laughs> just is it a real wallet? Um, yeah, I guess I'll just. I mean. I don't want to deviate too far from the range that's happening because I don't want to embarrass myself. Because I was thinking that first, I was like maybe like fifty. Um, let's go with. I heard was it sixteen? Let's say seventeen hundred bones. That's a lot of bones, man. Lots of bones. Josh, that was very brave of you. That story you told <laughs> about your teacher. Thank you. I thought you would like it actually. So sounds like you liked it. <laughs> Let's make this uneditable. I do not. I do not want this trend. (laughs) I'm gonna say fifteen hundred bones, which I'm pretty sure is way too many. But that's what I'm gonna say. Guys, locked me in. Bone locked. (laughs) Bone tomalock. Okay, Dave, something special happened, so I'm really sorry, but we have a tie. Oh my gosh. Oh shit. So, this is too good to pass up, because we never get ties and closest twos. So, I'm sorry, Dave, you are the closest, but since we, we're, we never get ties and closest two, do you care if I like put the other two guys like in another round? Send them to the Thunderdome. It's Mikey and George. What? Yeah, you guys split the difference. A python has 1,800 bones. Wow. We never get this. Okay, give me a second. Let me count another who's, question. Who's the closest? Dave? A zoologist here. Dave was closest, but like, if we're doing like our normal like theme, we're doing like guests, like we never get ties. Oh, so maybe to. Dave should choose... Who should pick the movie? I like that. Oh, that works. Dave, choose Josh. I just hosted. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh never wins trivia. I'll, yeah, I think Josh is a great pick, especially after what we just heard about his background. My Mrs. Taska story? Shit. Is there a movie about that? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, there is. It's Spooky. called um, Notes on a Scandal. Oh, shit. I have just the movie, but... Uh, do you all care if I announce it after the break? That's fine. We're going to go to break. Let George think on it. Smart. Take it away, spoilers, man. Special thank you to our patrons. Matt Troll. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. 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 Brother Brian. And they call him Sandy Claus. <laughs> Druid King. 
Nick. Great Halloween, everybody. The Meg. Our first award goes to the vampires for most blood drained in this single evening. David. Nice work, Bone Daddy. Nurse Stacy. The children are asleep. The Wolf. Ow, ow, ow. At this moment, military units are mobilizing to stop the perpetrator of this heinous crime. Barky 420. That will be this black and green. Davy Kerr. I'm only an elected official here. I can't make decisions by myself. Total movie recall. I had the most terrible vision. That's splendid. PK. Terrible news, folks. Jack has been. Spencer. If you'd like to request an episode, hear your name read by Spoiler Man, or even just help us make podcasts, please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcast spoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. Please support this podcast by leaving us an iTunes review. To do this, one, search for movie spoilers. Two, click on our orange spoilers bowl logo and scroll all the way to the bottom. Three, leave us some stars and some words. Now you can check us out on Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And we're back. Josh, you were chosen by Dave to pick the next movie. What is that movie? Oh, man. And give us an explanation of why you picked it. Have you guys ever heard of the movie Class of 99? No. Oh, boy. It has, like, a subtitle that's, like, Zero Tolerance or something. Like, pretty sure the female t- teachers, like, kick the male pupils in the balls. They're being bad. It's real bad stuff, but I was going to go with that. But, Pappy, we decided this is actually the end of Spooky Spoilers. And we're going to do some Patreon movies after this. Going to take up some of our time. My pick isn't going to be for a while, right? Is that at least safe to say? Probably towards the end of this calendar year. Wow. But I will do what I promised. It's still going to be a spooky movie. We're going to go back to 1976 and do Taxi Driver. Oh, Josh. Robert De Niro. Really? Um, Yeah, I think this one will get a lot of plays, Stevie. So don't complain about it. The original insult, Taxi Driver. And you'll be spooked. It's He's literally (laughs) me. Okay. What? (laughs) <laughs> that was unexpected thing. Josh, what are you saying tonight? <laughs> Which character is what literally is happening? You? Josh, you are literally Who Dennis are Reynolds you? tonight. I'm trying to finish spooky spoilers with a bang, okay? Which is literally Jodie Foster. Bang. Come full circle. Why do you keep saying bang? My favorite horror movie, Taxi Driver. That is my pick, though. Is that okay, Stevie? Can I pick Taxi Driver to pick up on the movie game? It's a free country. Get... Do what you want. Um, okay. Thank you. But I, I do like this character arc you're going with, though, where you may or may not be a serial killer. So this is interesting. 
good lore for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> People are going to look back at this one day going, he was dropping the hints. The signs right were there. there. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, tune in for Taxi Driver or whatever movie that we do next. Uh, we have a bunch of Patreons we'll be doing on, going on the way. Um, mm-hmm. Anything else to add, Pap? Um... The, oh, the big movie trivia, and I'm not going to give anything away, um, but Dave, thanks again for appearing in some capacity on that episode. I listened back. The audio is there. You sound great. It's really it's really great to hear you on that episode. Thanks again for coming on tonight. Goodbye, Mellow Brick Road. Everyone subscribe to it. Pappy, you holding back your excitement right now is <laughs> absolutely sickening. Just fuck off. Dude, it's so stupid. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. What is Josh? Who is Josh right now? Who's yeah, Josh? thanks, incel Josh. You're <laughs> such an incel. It's scary. I... Josh lives in a society, apparently. Okay. But anyway, I was saying, subscribe to Goodbye Melbrick Road. Do you you like that podcast, yes. right, Josh? It's a good one. Yes, it is a good one. Thank you, thank you. This is I. I mean, spoilers alone is great, but to be part of spooky spoilers, like. Call bucket list over. (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Well, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Dave, for coming on. It was awesome having you on here. That was spoilers. spooky is that what you're thinking like it is a little spooky but it it can be after all the patreons it's fine josh that was a great task of story you told by the way (laughs) just because like my last interaction with mrs taska was was also during her final and i was whistling really (laughs) i I was whistling like because i thought i was like getting stuff right and like doing you know i was like and I just heard who's whistling, <laughs> and it, like, my whistle, heart bro. just my heart just dropped out. I was like, "Oh, never saw her again." It took you down from a solid B to like a C plus. No more whistling. <laughs> Confidence <laughs> is gone. <laughs> so we're not doing a scary movie. We're doing no. It is a scary movie, but if oh. it, we, we if we want to call it spoiler spooky. Or not. Well, the next Patreon is... Do we decide between Terminator and Tron Legacy? Someone picked Legacy? Or Terminator. Terminator fills the spooky void, I guess. I don't know. It's kind of... It's adjacent. Spooky adjacent. I like it. So which Orson Welles movie is it going to be, Josh? Hold on a second.
The Stranger Ah, too. the French. That was Spooky Spoilers.